you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Scott, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so looking forward to getting to know you. So start out by telling just a couple of unique or surprising fun facts about yourself. Mm, surprising and fun facts right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> I still have my, yeah, I still have my first car. Um, it's a 1970 Buick Skylark. I bought it when I was 17 years old because I had fallen head over heels with this girl that I met on summer vacation in a little lake town. And I bought the car so I could drive nine hours to see her again. And I blew the motor on the way there and she dumped me and I took the bus home, but then I came back and got the car and I still have the car. Uh, gosh, I don't even want to know if I could admit how many it's may, may or may not be 37 years ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And don't uh, have the girl. <laughs> you got the car. Oh God, I upgraded girl. big time. Yes, yeah, yes. No, I met a really wonderful lady and married her and she's awesome. Okay. Uh, fun facts about me. I, competed in gymnastics and diving in high school. And I went to the provincial championships um, were in Canada. So like the state finals and I won a gold medal in three meter springboard diving. That was pretty cool. That's actually a big epic story in itself. There's always big epic stories, but that was really challenging. And I, and I pulled out a gold, which was cool. And I've been a certified scuba diver since the mid late nineties. And I've, I've been down to the great blue hole in Belize down to 150 feet. So yeah, I've done some really cool things scuba diving. Yeah, you have. That's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing those with me. That's wonderful. So <laughs> I have to know then your lemon to lemonade story. Like, why are you doing what you do now? And you're obviously very active. So maybe that has something to do with it. Tell me your that, story. There's layers of lemons to lemonade. Hokey Dinah. Um, you know, grew up in a boom town, wonderful um, family, but also with their challenges, um, with some addictions and things. So that was interesting, but, uh, got out of there, went to college for architecture, got into architecture and did that for 13 years and was really good at it, but realized I was at the top of the ladder on the wrong building. Cause I went, I got really fat and sick in architecture from stress and deadlines. And I didn't know how to eat. I had no idea what I was doing. I just, I, people say they have a sweet tooth. I say I have 32 of them. Uh, you know, I, I ate junk food with my junk food and dessert with every meal, including snacks. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I, you know, got overweight and, and that kind of stuff. And then I just, all of a sudden I made a change, um, through a couple of health issues. I was like, okay, this is going to stop. I'm 29. I can't live like this. And, and it just gravitated to the gym, met a really good friend who was a trainer, completely revamped my diet, became a student of nutrition, dropped 40 pounds, put on 18 pounds of muscle, had a six pack, um, you know, went from the Pillsbury Doughboy to, to fit. I actually dropped 60 pounds as, as it went, but, um, and, and then everybody started asking me how I was doing that. And can you coach me and can you help me? So I got certified as a trainer and decided I just loved that sort of working in the gym part-time. And two weeks before I was a partner in the firm, I quit. <laughs> I was like, um, I can't, I can't lock into this. I think this is not what I'm supposed to do with my life. So I, I left and um, it was a little unnerving, but I went to work in a gym full time and I made my way up to assistant manager and I, you know, I worked the front desk and I cleaned the hot tub and I fixed broken equipment. And then I just thought, you know, this is great, but if I really want to go somewhere, I need to build my own gym. So I did, we, we financed to the hilt and borrowed money from, from relatives. And we, I opened my own gym in 2002 and uh, we ended up, we built a 15,000 square foot building. We built 10,000, then added on. So it was 15,000. We were done. And I ran that for 18 years and just really chased that dream and just, just totally 
had absolute passion for the fitness industry, huge learning curve, not only to be a business owner, but also continue to learn as a trainer in the gym industry, which was constantly learning about nutrition. And that was a blast. So that was one way where I, you know, took the lemon of, I was in the wrong career and made lemonade by moving to a career that fit better. So that was kind of that part. And then probably the next biggest thing was within that in 2004, there was a half Ironman triathlon in our town. And I had never really heard of triathlon much back in 2004. And and I, I saw, I caught wind of this thing and I thought, that seems really cool. I wonder if I could finish one of those. Like I can, I can not drown for periods of time. I mean, I can sort of swim. It didn't look good, but I could, I could, I could swim and I could ride the heck out of a stationary bike. I could buy an outdoor bike. I'm sure that'd be good. I used to ride a bike when I was in school and I used to run. Um, I broke my back in high school in a gymnastics crash. So my back was a thing for quite a while, but once I got fit and in shape, then my back didn't hurt anymore because my musculature supported my spine rather than it just being weak and bone on bone. So that made a big difference. So I thought I could pick up running again. I used to run in track in high school and stuff. So I hired a coach and learned how to swim. That was a uphill crawl. Uh, Got an outdoor bicycle, learned to ride outside again, learned how to to ride a bike in traffic, which is a whole new thing. Um, And then I started running again and I did my first triathlon in 2005 and I just crushed it. I was 12th overall in a, in a sprint triathlon. And then I did a, an Olympic and I was top 20%. And then I did the half Ironman that summer and I was eighth in my age group. And I got a spot to Ironman Canada five weeks later. So I doubled all my distances and went to Ironman Canada, which I don't recommend doing your Ironman in your first year of triathlon, but I did. And I had a sub 12 hour Ironman and I was like, this is where I'm headed. And I just got fully hooked into triathlon. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. (laughs) You find your passion and then you're just like, there's no stopping you. So that's, yeah, I'm that guy. When I find something that's my passion, it's, it's, it's happening. Like, you know, when I was dating my wife and stuff, I, there was that moment where I was like, I'm asking you to marry me. And then there's just no turning back. Right. We're, we're celebrating 30 years this summer. So yeah. Wonderful. That's so great. We did too. We just did 30 years last month. So. Oh, congratulations. That's all. I feel like we're getting rarer and rarer. That's the way to use that word, but yeah, it is sad, but it's worth it. It's hanging there. (laughs) It's been worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so you said earlier that you had um, some health problems and you broke your back and stuff. And I think it would have been so easy for you to just kind of sit down and give up. Yeah. You know, when I broke my back, when I was, um, 15, several different doctors said, don't ever play sports again. You're vulnerable. One more hit and you're paralyzed. Like you'll probably be in a wheelchair by 40. That's what I was told as a teenager. You'll probably be in a wheelchair by 40 while I'm 53 in a month and I'm not in a wheelchair at all. So you know, that's, I think people don't realize the human body's capacity to recover and heal is phenomenal. If you'll just give it the right stuff, like the right chances, rehab, physio, good nutrition, rest, drink water. Like it it seems so basic, but the human body's a miracle if we give it a chance. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I was 29 that, and I mean, I would shovel the driveway from snow and I would have to lay on the back with painkillers and back relaxers and, and ice packs for four hours. And 
now I can run for 12 hours. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's so much better, but it requires that determination and not be afraid and, and go through dis- discomfort. And then, you know, lemons to lemonade, speaking of health crisis, um, when I was training for my seventh Ironman, I think I met a fella um, who started talking about Ultraman. And I was like, Ultraman, that's nuts. Cause I had heard about this crazy race that's two and a half times longer than Ironman. And he, he, we started talking about it. And he's like, you should give it a go. And I was like, shut up. Those guys are insane. And he's, he said, no, we'll think about it. Like, you're a pretty solid swimmer. So, so Ultraman is a, is a three day triathlon, right? So you have, so day one is a six mile swim, 10 K open ocean. And then you follow that up with a 90 mile bike, 145 K. And then I got to do quick math because I always forget this part divide by 1.6 equals. And then the day two, I I always have to check. It's 172 mile bike on day two. So 275 K I'm Canadian. So we're kilometers. So, and then day three is a double marathon, 52.4 miles. And I remember talking to him, Nick Mallet from Australia. And I was like, there's no way. And he said, but think about it. Once you get swimming, you get into a groove. If, if there was a kayak beside you and they fed you electrolytes and stuff, you could keep swimming. Okay. He says, you're a really strong cyclist. So the biking is not a problem. I said, well, you know, 172 miles in 12 hours over two mountain ranges. That's a push. He's like, yeah, but you can do it. I'm like, okay. But a double marathon on day three after you're exhausted, like, come on. And he's, well, he's like, what's your fastest marathon? I'm like, mm, 320 ish. He goes, great. So you run a slow four hour marathon, take a half hour break, change your socks and shoes and get out there again. You get seven and a half hours. You could walk a marathon seven hours. And I was like, you're right. And I signed up the next week. <laughs> Oh and my I, goodness. Yeah. And I went out and did it. And I did the Ultraman Canada Championships and was sixth overall. I was 20 minutes oh. from third, second place. So I just what? now all of a sudden I've got a new passion. I was like, I like this even more. And I'm hearing you describe this going, I don't think this is physically possible for a human body to endure. <laughs> and you're just like, sign me up. And I yeah, like, well, I will watch it on TV. That's where, where I'm at. Wow, that's amazing. Big, big challenges create big growth, right? That's amazing. Yeah, that your body can endure that. I'm just thinking running for that many miles. Oh, that would just be very painful. <laughs> so I'm just so impressed. It's not it's not comfortable, no, but nobody ever died of uncomfortable. Right. right? <laughs> well, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. So how many have you done now of those? Well, three and a half. And that the half is kind of the, the interesting one. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh, for sure. Um, so I did Ultraman Canada, which got me a spot at the World Championships. Now my wife got pregnant. And so I took 2011 um, off or 2011, 12 off, obviously. And that was great. And then 2013 by January, I was kind of like, um, um, and she's like, will you please go race? Like, so <laughs> you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. So she was an amazing mom and everything was fantastic. So yeah, I went out and I did the world championships in 2013 and it was great. Kona, Hawaii, big learning curve because open ocean with currents and six foot swells and all that stuff is a lot different than the lake in Canada for the swim. But I got it done and, you know, the big mountains in 30 degree heat is hard and a double marathon in Queen Omano Highway where it's 100 degrees, there's no shade, it's black lava, black lava, black asphalt. It was tough as guts, but I got it done. I was 21st in the world and it was pretty cool. And 
So then I, I took 2014 off and I thought, you know, I want to go back in 2015 and I want to really race. Like I want to gun for top five. And so I hired a new coach and we cranked our training and everything was great. And things were going well in 2015. I had a much better swim. I had a really strong bike. I was day one. I was 14th overall. And on the day two bike course, which is my strength, I was smashing the pedals. I was in 10th. I was hunting number nine. I was gaining on the leaders. And I was going down a mountainside in the rain a little bit. And apparently there was algae on the bridge deck. And I woke up three days later in the brain trauma unit in the ICU in Oahu on another island with no memory of how I got there. And I had sprained my fingers, sprained my wrist, broke my left arm in half, shattered my shoulder, broke five ribs, busted my knee up, um, tore my MCL, broken my skull open, exposing my brain, uh, had whiplash, had a big smear across the side of my face, um, which twisted my helmet, which the strap wasn't tight enough. That's how it came loose. And that's when I broke my skull. So yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a thing. I had a uh, really bad brain injury and yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Holy cow. That's oh, yeah. A lemon. Yeah. That was my next lemon. Yep. Yeah. So then what happened? Uh, recovery, <laughs> yeah, long, hard recovery, long, hard recovery. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I had been awake maybe five minutes in the hospital and my buddy, my best friend, Lyle, who was my crew chief at the time had flown over to Oahu with me to, to be there. Cause my wife with a three and a half year old couldn't do that. Um, so he came, he slept in the hospital and was there every day for three days and heck of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he videoed me when I started to remember things. Apparently it was the seventh or eighth time I had woken up and asked what happened, but this was the, it was like the, the time that I remembered waking up and asking what happened. And he videoed it. And I said on the video, I said, yeah, I'm a little banged up, but I'll race again. I'll be back. Give me a few weeks. I, and it was never a question that I would get back to it, but reality hit hard. I flew back to Canada and they re-x-rayed my arm and my shoulder. And they're like, oh, this is broken badly. We need plates. So they put metal plate in my arm, metal plate in my shoulder. And then they they were really worried about my, my brain injury. I had metal staples in my skull and stuff. So you know, that part was dealt with, with the, the broken bones, but the brain injury was really bad. And so they did an MRI and a CAT scan and a deep scan and another one. And then I met with a neurologist and then all these tests and I had to have the epilepsy procedure to have gr the crystals put back in my ears for balance. And I could only stay awake for about an hour and a half. And then I had to sleep six to eight hours. Um, I slurred my words. I would trip. My son had to put my socks on. My wife had to brush my teeth and shave my face and my head and uh, I still had a business to run and I'm in charge of all the marketing. And so there was no market. There was silence for two months, like December, January at a gym, you're not marketing. That's a problem, but I couldn't remember how for a while. So it was, it was a thing. <laughs> it was hard, but I was surrounded by the most amazing people and friends and people that came out of the woodwork to help gym members came and shoveled our driveway. And, you know, I, I did hyperbaric oxygen for three months where they pressurize you to a one atmosphere, 33 feet below sea level, and you breathe pure oxygen, helps your brain heal, helps all the other injuries heal. And I, I got back to running. And as soon as I ran, and I got to tell you, it wasn't even a run. My, my arm was Velcroed to my chest and it was one minute shuffle run, one minute walk, which to go from world champion contender to shuffle runs was humbling, but 
As soon as I did that, I started to feel better. I could stay awake a little longer, a little longer. I kicked all the pain meds early. Um, it, it just got better. And uh, yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of physiotherapy, got the metal plates pulled out, had frozen shoulder. So I can now do something that's, that's considered impossible. Right. That wasn't supposed to be possible, but that raise was your arm, like straight up, raise like, my arm straight up. Yeah. It like touches your head. <laughs> that was legitimately not wow. going to be possible, but that was, and I'm not exaggerating. That was five years of physio. Oof. Yeah. And painful physio, like where my physiotherapist would put one hand on his elbow, one hand on my ribs and push until he shook to press them apart until they finally stretched. So, uh, and it took, like three or four years till I could close this hand all the way. And yeah, it was a thing. It was a thing. Yeah. So did you get back? I did. You did. I did. And the cool thing is sort of, I guess, well, no, it is cool. In 2015, it had occurred to me that like, I'm just a regular guy. I'm pretty stubborn, but when it comes to triathlon, when I stand in the line at the world championships, the guys weigh, 135, 140, 150. I weigh 195. Like they're like, who brought their rugby player? <laughs> like I have a long back and short muscular legs. Like I don't look like those guys, but I'm really stubborn and I train really hard. And I thought this would make a really fun documentary because nobody's ever heard of Ultraman. There's no film crews. There's no prize money. There's no sponsor. There's no big awards. It's a, you do it because you love the sport because there's, you don't win anything. You get a t-shirt and a medal and it's, it's really hard and it's expensive and it ruins you for racing for like two months. So it's not something professional athletes do very often. It's not, uh, it's not a big thing. It's, it's a select number of people. And I thought it'd be really cool to make a video of how, the amazing family that it is. And so we were filming when I cartwheeled down the highway at 45 miles an hour. Oh, wow. And now he didn't catch that cartwheeling part, thank goodness, but he did catch me being put in the ambulance and, and a lot of the recovery. So we filmed the recovery and we filmed the comeback race. And in 2018, I crossed the line in 25th in the world and had just the most glorious experience. And we got all of it on film and it's a free documentary on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Did it's anybody cold. else get hurt when you, when you fell? Did a other couple. people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Christian, um, crashed and he had, he broke seven ribs and his shoulder and had a mild concussion. Um, so yeah, it just, you know what, it's a slippery section and you just gotta be watching it. it wow. It's part of racing. It's nobody's fault. It's not it just is what it is. We're out there in the elements. It's a, it's a 320 mile race course. Like you get what you get, right? That's amazing. Okay. So tell me about the documentary somewhere, the name and Sure. Yeah. The, the documentary is called living the warrior code. Um, so it's warriorcodefilm.com is where you can find it. And it's just a free YouTube link and it's 82 minutes long. It's family friendly. Um, my filmmaker buddy drew has seven children with his wife. So it, we had to make, and I've got a, at the time my son was, was five. So it's like, my son needs to be able to watch this. So we, and I'm not a swearing kind of guy anyway. So it's family friendly. Um, there is one scene where there's a really big pool of blood and I'm being hauled into an ambulance and stuff, but, but by and large, it's, it's family friendly. It's very inspiring. We've won quite a few awards now as best, uh, best feature length documentary and a couple things. So yeah, it's really a fun movie. It's inspirational. And you wouldn't think that you were really doing it for that reason. Like when you set out to do that documentary that day, it was just going to be you completing a race and it was yeah. going to be inspiring. 
Yeah, I thought it'd be oh, really cool. This this average guy does well. That's what I thought we were doing. And then, <laughs> oh, I guess there's a different script. All right, we're doing that now. <laughs> you, yeah. you didn't get the script changes in time. So yeah, you well, go do another path. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And so then it ended up being like a five year long documentary. Yeah. In a way, right? Totally Spanning over the years of rehab and stuff. Yeah. 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 It became a big thing. Um, it was four years in the development of the documentary because I crashed in 15, we raced to get an 18, and then post um, took another like okay. year kind of thing to get it all ready. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I'm so proud of you. I think I would have quit at that point. I don't think I would have had, even if it was my passion, I don't know, that'd be hard to lay in that hospital bed and be like, yeah, I'm ready to do this again. I think that would be really hard. So you know, I think, thank you. It's funny. I was at a personal development course when I learned that about myself. Um, I always looked at my failures. I always looked at that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't strong enough. If I had a better kid, my parents would have loved me more. All that kind of crap that you get as a child. You know, the bullies used to chase me around, beat me up. And if I was better, if I was stronger, if I was faster, if I, all of that, that stuff, you know, and I remember being in a personal development course and it was a really, really challenging physical exercise. And I kept failing at it and over and over and over and over again. And we were doing a sharing circle at the end and my partner stood up to share. And I was like, what the hell have you got to share? You partner with a loser. And he stood up and he says, I want to acknowledge my partner, Scott. And I was like, for what? I couldn't even do it right. And he's like, he fell down 30 or 40 times and he never quit. He kept standing up and saying, okay, let's do it again. He's like, I didn't want to do it with him anymore. Cause I didn't want him to get hurt. Like he wouldn't quit. I've never seen anybody so stubborn in my life. And I kind of thought, <gasps> I've been looking at my whole life wrong. It's not that I'm a failure, it's that I never quit. I've just had lots of challenges. And it was a paradigm shift. And I just look at Ironman and Ultraman and endurance and, and you know ultra distance racing as a challenge for me to grow stronger and to realize, to take my, my never quit attitude and go, Oh, I wonder what I can come up with. And it's pretty fun, you know? And as a, as a business owner, that was a huge part of surviving 18 years running a gym is never quitting because it was always really hard to run a business. And then in March of 2020, we lost it all. We had to shut down my gym and sell off all our equipment and walk away because there's no chance we could survive. I mean, they're like, well, didn't the government offer? Yeah. They offered us a loan. I don't need a loan. <laughs> you know, I had no income. All my members were gone. I couldn't, I had a 15,000 square foot building. I can't pay rent on that. It's empty. There's nobody, there's no income. So I had to, I had to look at real reality and, and let it go. And then it was like, okay, but I wasn't afraid. I was sad, but I wasn't afraid. I was like, you know what? Cool. We'll invent something better. And I built this studio. And I do daily mindset videos and I coach people on nutrition and I have any 20 to 30 private clients every month that I coach on nutrition. And I've got, I've renovated my garage to be a gym and I coach some people in the garage, one-on-one -on -one clients. And I love what I get to do. It's, it's the best lemonade I've ever made in my life. It's incredible. It's like everything I did before got me to this and it's a flipping miracle. So yeah. There's that. Wow. What an amazing gift you've given to everyone to <laughs> what you've endured and what you're going through. And you're still 
finding ways to improve yourself and help others. I just think that's an amazing gift. Well, thanks. You know, one of the things we say, there's two things we always work with on my team when we're an Ultraman. And it's great because it is a team. Your buddies, the two or three people on your crew leapfrog in a van and they support you. So they're your aid station. And we have a couple different rules. Um, One is you're never allowed to ask me how I feel Hmm. when I'm racing. It doesn't matter how I feel. It's not relevant. It doesn't help or change anything. So you're allowed to say, do you need anything? Can I help? And I, uh, that's my philosophy. Do you need anything? Can I help? Because that works. That's useful. How are you feeling? Is this a bunch of uh, drama? Who cares? It's not helpful. Do you need anything? Can I help? And the other thing we have as a model for our team is forward is a pace. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be a miracle. You don't have to just forward is a pace and forward will do. Wow. I think we can use that in our everyday life, right? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Instead of asking someone how they're feeling, you know, it's like, yeah. what can I do for you? Yeah. And, and you know, especially the last two years, cause I got curled up in the this doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? The government's so stupid. Like I got wrapped up, but I was like, you know what? That's a feeling. What can I do about it? Do you need help? And, and, and I just kept, okay, that's nuts. Right on. What can I do about it? Well, I renovated my garage and I started training people in my house because they couldn't go to the gym. Okay. Well, I'm training for the world championships in 2021, which I was, which got canceled. But anyway, I'm training for the world championships and the pool's closed. I can't swim. Well, how can I not swim? Man, it's like April. Like, this is ridiculous. I wonder if I could get a swim spa, like an endless pool. I wonder how much those would cost. I found one. It was $15,000 on sale because they couldn't sell it because nobody was buying swim spas in COVID. And I talked to my wife and we had a little room next to fudge on the mortgage. We bought a swim spa. And so now I can swim in my backyard whenever I want. And I can coach athletes to swim in my backyard and I can rent hours in my pool when people can't go to the pool. So we did that. It's, it's like, this sucks. Great. What can we do about it? What can we do? Yeah. 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 Cause really it's all our, the title that we put on it, right? It's just an event. It's just something that's happened and we label it by what we feel about it and what we think uh, about it. So it's yeah. like, okay, how can I fix this? That's yeah. what I need to think of. And I think that's, it's hard though. Like we have to acknowledge it's hard. Like when I was after the metal was pulled out of my arms and I was, I'm like, okay, good, let's go. And so I started training for Ironman quarterly in Idaho. And in 2017 in spring training camp in Arizona, um, my brain connection still wasn't great. And I was a little trippy. And so I was sprinting down a mountainside with a bunch of pro and semi-pro athletes, you know, keeping up with the fast people. And I caught a toe and I tripped and I sprained six fingers and I dislocated and gloved to the ligaments, this one and this one. And I pulled this one apart. They had to sew it all back together. Great. Well, now what? Right. So actually that was 2018. Um, 2017 was when my knee came unglued (laughs) and I had to have knee surgery. So 2017, I suddenly had to have knee surgery. 2018 is when I dislocated all my fingers. And, you know, so, and every time it's like when my, when my knee came apart um, and I had to have surgery, it's like, great. What do we got to do? Who do I need to help? I need to find a, a, a knee doctor. How do we fix this? Okay, great. It's all sewn together. What rehab do I have to do? I've got a race in five weeks. What do I got to do? 
okay, we're going to water run. We're going to do this until your knee settles. Then you can start light running. Then you can walk. Then you, you know, all that thing. And then when I sprained all my fingers and I had big things, I'm like, okay, you can't swim. You can't bike. Can I still run? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll run until I can swim. Like it just, every, it's like, great. What do I need? How do I continue? How do I get back to forward is a pace? amazing that your stubbornness can pay off so well that's incredible like i love it because the people would probably use stubborn as like a a negative description but it's like you show us that stubborn can really get you very far in life and can help you help other people as well yeah you know i i'm not i'm not a big baseball guy but one of my favorite quotes is from babe ruth um of course great american baseball player held the home run record for over 40 years 714 home runs, right? Stood for a long time. What people don't understand is that Babe Ruth also held the strikeout record. It was like something like 1,340 or 1,500 strikeouts. Like he was willing to swing for the fences every time. And mostly he missed. And he had a saying, it's hard to beat a person that never gives up. I'm real I'm a big believer that I had that on a t-shirt for a while. It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. You kind of can't really. I coach people on nutrition and I just got to say, it's important. Like people say, I would die for my children. Okay. Would you live for them? Like, would you stop eating junk food and, and living on garbage and forcing your life to exist through caffeine? Would you be healthy for your children? And then you could be great longer I just, I want to challenge people to be optimal, right? I, I want to challenge people to eat real food and take care, like put your own oxygen mask on first so you can help other people. So many people out there, and I've been one of them. I've been one of them over and over again, where I'm living on caffeine and girl guide cookies. Cause I just don't have time to take care of myself. And I'm trying to save everybody in the world and I'm crumbling. And you can't do that. You can't do it for long. You'll fall apart. And now I'm, I'm 53 in a month and I'm blessed. To, it took us a while to have kids. I have a beautiful 10 year old and he, he's a thousand miles an hour and daddy can keep up with them. In fact, daddy can outrun him. <laughs> and why not? Right? Like, let's be, let's burn brightly like an led light bulb instead of a candle hoping there's no wind, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Perfect. Hopefully that helps people. No, that's perfect. Sometimes it might feel a little overwhelming and we can make excuses for why we are how we are. And it sounds so easy hearing it from you, but I love how you've done it. Like you were that Pillsbury Doughboy and you have changed your life by making different choices and you're showing yeah. us that it's possible. Yeah. I've been shattered and there's a moment where you pause an ugly ball and then you wipe the tears off and you go, okay, what can I do about it? Because that's the only thing you can control. Yep. Yeah. The only thing that is, it's the only thing is what we think about it and what our action is about it. So just yeah. move forward. That's yeah. a pace. Forward is a pace. Forward is a pace. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, what a You're joy. Welcome. Thank you so much for brightening my day and inspiring me as well. I just really appreciate this. My pleasure, Heidi. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. You're still, you're still competing? You're still racing? Or Yeah, I've got Ironman Canada coming up this summer. 
Um, I decided not to do Ultraman this year because I'm actually writing a book based okay. on the crash and the recovery. Um, Good. It's uh, it's kind of cool. It's sixty two thousand words now, and it's got some meat amazing. to it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's coming along. It's uh, hard to make time to write sometimes, but yeah. it's coming. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that out to to serve more people. But yeah, I hope you check out the film. It's yes, uh, I'm really proud I of it. Drew did a good job. That out. Yeah, I've got to check that out now. That sounds amazing and so inspiring on accident, which I just love. That's a crazy. It's a crazy way to make a film and have it turn into something way more than you imagined. So that's great. Yeah. I think your book is going to be the same way. I think the world needs to hear this story. So just Thanks. grateful you shared it with me. So I appreciate you. the opportunity. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.